Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 2nd of August 2015, entitled Identity Crisis Part 3, and the Bible readings are taken from Matthew chapter 4 verses 12 to 22 and Luke chapter 22 verses 54 to 62. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Gospel of Luke chapter 22. Pick up in verse 54 there in just a moment. If you'd like to put your finger right there, hold your place, turn back to the gospel of Matthew chapter 4. I invite you to stand with us this morning as we honor the reading of God's most precious and holy word. Beginning first of all in Matthew chapter 4 and in verse 12. Now, when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness, saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Father, we thank you this morning that we have your word before us preserved. If we only had man's word and man's history to depend upon, then, Lord, we would be apt, Lord, to be walking on areas where that we could not have assurance and surety. But, Lord, it is your word. Father, in that we can have total confidence. Thank you today. Lord, as we look here today, we pray and seek your guidance, your help. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to each and every heart. Lord, that you would help each and every one of us to, Lord, have the courage to respond in whatever way we need. We'll give you the thanks for it in Christ's name. Amen. Keep your finger there in the Gospel of Luke. We'll be reading from there again in just a moment. You can go ahead and be seated. I want to remind you, of course, if you're here this morning, I can only apologize that this is part three of this sermon. Last Sunday morning, last Sunday evening, we began to look at these thoughts on identity crisis. Let me just give you a couple of things to bring you up to where we are. Of course, our reading here in the Gospel of Matthew where we're taking this marks the very beginning of Jesus's public ministry on this earth. This is the first time that he goes forth to minister. 
We find that uh, he was baptized by John the Baptist. John the Baptist was in turn thrown in prison. Jesus was taken into the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days and nights. And then Satan came to him and Satan tempted him and tried to tempt him to follow his course in this world, which Jesus overcame. He was ministered to by angels. And then he comes to Capernaum where we pick up here in this passage today to begin his public ministry. And it's here. The first two people that he ever speaks to and, 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 and tells them to follow him is when he comes here to these two brothers, Peter and Andrew. And he says to them, repent, follow, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This was Jesus' message, which we'll come back to later. He personally speaks to these two fishermen and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And of course, as we kind of, we, we said that as we think today on this idea of an identity crisis, we talked a number of things of what an identity was, but as we begin to put all those things together, we see that and a person's identity is that which defines them for who they are as a unique individual. What makes them different from anybody else? What defines them for who they are is their identity. And then I read you a statement dealing with what is referred to as an identity crisis. In other words, people can reach points in life when they really wonder who they are. Who they are, and of course, then many times this can come very confusing for others to know who they are. I'd like to read that statement. It says, an identity crisis is a time in life when an individual begins to seriously look for answers about the nature of his or her being and the search for an identity. 20th century developmental psychologist Eric Erickson developed this term, which is used frequently. He used it mostly to apply to the period of transition in the teenage years when kids begin to define what they will do as adults and their values are going to be. But it is now thought that an identity crisis may occur at any time in life, especially in periods of great transition. So a number of the things that we looked at, and of course, we, we talked about that, you know, identity things have changed, and we hear a lot about identity theft now, and, 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 and last week, I, 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 I illustrated to you how that uh, I took a selfie of myself, and I, and I held up that picture, and everybody knew who it was because it identified me. It was a likeness of me, and of course, nowadays... People are always taking selfies of all these things they're doing and then suddenly with a few clicks they're posted up and, and the whole world can see who they are and what they're doing. But we said it's very, very important. We're not concerned about taking a physical selfie today, but what we wanted to do was to take a spiritual selfie. We want to use God's word because that's the only thing that will give us an accurate picture of who we are spiritually. We talked a lot about the physical identities and we related that to the spiritual identities. We can't cover all of those things again today. We began last week by talking about the fact that identities are certain. We looked at a lot of things. There are many things about us that identify us for who we are individually. Some of them are official. 
some of them are unofficial, but everybody, everybody, everywhere, they have an identity. They are identified in some way. We find that the real question that we have to ask is, who are you? What identifies you specifically for certain for who you are? What identifies you as a certain person apart from everybody else out there? Identities are certain. Identities are specific to you. Secondly, we saw that identities are chosen. Parents choose names for their children. It would get pretty confusing if everybody here today was just known as boy and girl. If we tried to contact one person and everybody had the same name, names are chosen. People sometimes take on personal names and nicknames and titles and all kinds of things to identify them, even within companies, all these things that identify them for who they are and what they do. Identities are chosen specifically for that individual. Then last Sunday evening, we looked at Ephesians chapter 1, how that identities can be changed. Sometimes people change what they're called. They change their name. They change what they do. We find that sometimes they change their whole path and identity in life. We looked at how Peter's identity changed totally here. Jesus, the first words he ever spoke to this individual, Peter was identified as Peter, a fisher of fishes. He was a fisherman. That was his job. Jesus said, Peter, come follow me. I'm going to change your identity. Rather than being a fisher of fishes, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. We saw how that Peter and his brother Andrew immediately, immediately left everything. You know, to us, it may have just been a fishing net. But to them, that was their livelihood. That was what produced their living. That was what they lived by. That was what they did. That's who they were. We find that they left their home, their belongings, their profession. They left everything to follow Jesus. That didn't mean that those things would never be used again, but none of them could come before following Jesus. We looked at Ephesians 1. We saw how that your identity as a human being, regardless as we were speaking earlier and as we were singing earlier, regardless of your background, regardless of how much or how little, money, education, regardless of your appearance to society as a whole, regardless of anything that identifies you for who you are in this world, we find that when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, that is, as the great psychologist said, That is one of those times in life that is a period of great transition if there ever was one. We find that suddenly, you know, coming to faith in Christ, yes, many times people face an identity crisis because suddenly everything they were and everything they have and everything, it changes. It's no longer about me and who I am and what I am. It's about others. It's not centered on me 
It's centered upon what I can do to help someone else. We don't have time to go back through those things, but we looked at at least six things in that passage in Ephesians 1, 4 through 8 that were characteristics of that identity change. That we were chosen in love to be holy and without blame. We saw that before the foundation of the world that God chose us because he loved us so much to be holy and without blame before him. Even though he knew that we were going to be sinners, even though he knew that we were going to mess up, even though he knew that we were going to fail, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God in comparison to God and his glory and his holiness. We all miss the mark. The wages of sin is death. That's where sin takes us. But, praise God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God chose before he ever created anything that was that you, as an individual, could appear before him holy and blameless in Jesus Christ. We saw how that you're adopted by God to be his child. We saw how that you're accepted into the family of God, regardless of how you've messed up, regardless of what you've done. You're accepted in the beloved. We saw how that you are redeemed. All the price is paid. All your sins are paid for, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You're forgiven of all of your sins, and you're given godly wisdom and understanding that is beyond what the world can understand. Many of the things, when we look to God's Word, it is impossible for the natural man to understand spiritual things. That doesn't make us somehow on a pedestal holier than thou above everyone else. It should give us compassion and love. When Jesus looked upon the multitude and he saw them like sheep without a shepherd, he had compassion upon them. He hurt for them. It is not a holier than thou. It's a reality of recognizing that we are all sinners. The sin must be paid for, but we have a God of love, the creator that put us here. He himself, he planned beforehand to pay that price for you. So your identity can be changed. It can be changed. These characteristics here identify changes that take place in a person's life when they put that faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work. Not what I can do, not how good I can do, not what I can do and what I can't do. People get this idea that it's some big list of do's and don'ts and all this. No. It's about your relationship with your creator. And there is that which, which is within you that knows some way, somehow, that you're not here just by some accident. God, your creator, he loved you so much. The greatest change of identity that can ever take place is when you are taking that change from being a sinner to being a saint. Not a saint because of who you are, a saint because of who Jesus is, from sinner to saint. But I want you to look at a fourth thing here, that identities can be confusing. You ever, you ever saw somebody and the way they were acting and the things they said, you were just trying to figure out who they really were? You were trying to figure out if they were real or if they were fake, if they were genuine or what? 
identities can become confusing. And that's what we find in our other reading here in Luke chapter 22. Peter's identity, what happened? One of this great transition point in his life was when he was just there getting on with his life, doing the things he'd always done, carrying out his profession, working an honest day's labor, earning his living. And here comes this guy along and says, Peter, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That was a pretty big transition when he was willing to forsake all else to follow Jesus. But now... Here he is in life, and he's come to another point. And there is another great transition that is about to take place in Peter's life because for three and a half years, he follows Jesus on this earth. He goes where Jesus goes. He does what Jesus does. Three and a half years later, in Luke chapter 22, notice as Jesus is preparing them now for him leaving them and going to the cross. Since he started following Jesus, he's always had Jesus right there with him. Now, Jesus is preparing them to continue on a journey, though he's going back to be with the Father. In Luke chapter 22, pick up first of all in verse 31, and here we find that all the apostles are gathering together and they're having this conversation, and Jesus says, it says in verse 31, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Mark it down. Satan would like to have each and every one of you. Satan, Satan is, you know, he has a desire to have you, Peter, and to sift you, but, he says, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Satan's wanting to do one thing with your life, and he's wanting to take you down a certain path, Peter, but I've prayed for you, and I've got another path for you, and I've got other plans for you. Peter, you're going to overcome this. Now, what does Peter, and he said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and into death. Why, Lord? There is no way, no way the devil's going to get through to me. I am willing, if they want to lock me away in prison, if they want to take my life, there is no way, Lord, that I would ever deny you. There's no way, Lord, that I would not follow you. Follow me, Peter, and I'll make you fishers of men. He does for three and a half years. Jesus is getting ready to leave. Jesus is warning him, Peter, you got some tough days ahead. Satan is going to be on your back. Satan wants to get you. I've prayed for you, Peter. Well, Lord, you don't have to worry about me. Then I would do, there is no way. Others might forsake you, but not me, Lord. What does Jesus say? I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before, but thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Peter, before the next sunrise, before the next cock crow, you're going to deny me three times, Peter. Now, I want to tell you something. I honestly believe with all my, Peter found that beyond his comprehension, beyond his imagination. He didn't think there was any way. He's sitting there saying, Lord, they can lock me up. They can kill me. They can do whatever they want. I'm not going to forsake you. He says, Peter, 
before, before the morning, before that cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And we don't have time to read it all this morning, but look down in verse 54, because after that conversation, Jesus is arrested in the garden. Jesus was betrayed by Judas there. And Jesus is arrested, and as he is taken there before those that are accusing him, notice what it says in verse 54. Then took they him, those that arrested him, they took Jesus, and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. Now, <laughs> Peter followed me. P Peter's still following, but Peter's following at a distance now. For three and a half years, he's been right there, right by Jesus' side. But here, they're taking Jesus, but Peter's following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire. Here they are. They're in the, in the, in the hall, and the, and the fire is built, and they're all sitting around the fire Jesus is off over there somewhere. One of these maiders beholds, one of these maiders looks, she takes a good look at this Peter. And it says, and earnestly looked upon him and said, this man was also with him. She saw Peter. She looks at him close. This is one of those Guys that were following Jesus. This is one that was with Jesus. What does Peter say? Verse 57, and he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. No way. After a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. Somebody else thought they recognized. They saw, they recognized Peter as one of those followers of Christ. What does Peter say? Peter said, man, I am not. And about the space of one hour after another confidently affirmed, saying, of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. This is getting, you know, the, the, I'm telling you the honest to God's truth. This guy's one of them. Look at him. He was one of them. Verse 60, and Peter said, man, I know not what thou sayest. What in the world are you talking about? And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. Three times, three times he denies the Lord. The cock crows. Verse 61, and the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crow. Thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter, come and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Three and a half years later, Peter is still following the Lord. We find that another great transition is about to take place. His identity is going to be put to the test. But here, his identity becomes very confusing because there were things about Peter, there are things about a Christian that if you're truly, Peter genuinely was a follower of Christ. 
And when these others saw Peter, they knew that he was a follower of Christ. They thought they recognized something about him. You see, his identity had changed. People could see those things in Peter. But it's getting confusing because they think they're seeing somebody as a follower of Christ, and yet he said, no, no, I'm not, I'm not really one of that lot. <laughs> I'm not really one of those. I'm not really one of those Christians. I'm not really one of those that follows Jesus. You see, sometimes in our lives, identities can become confusing. It can become confusing when you, like Peter, deny who you are. When as a Christian, for whatever reason, you're trying to mask that identity. You're trying to be seen as just part of the crowd, as part of the group. You don't want to stand out as being different. Folks, we don't need to go around with placards on us saying, I am a Christian. We have seen already that when truly we become a follower of Christ, when Jesus Christ lives within us, your identity will change. You will be a new creation. You will do things differently, not because you have to follow a list in order to be okay with God so that he doesn't send down that next bolt of lightning after you. You love somebody more than you've ever loved anything in all the world. You've experienced someone loving you in a, in a new way that is so totally and completely perfect. He has no conditions. You can't do anything to make him love you more. He loves you with a perfect love, an unconditional love. We find that our identity changes. We are a new creation. Christ lives within us, and we've looked about all those things. We won't go there, but I'm saying it becomes confusing when as a Christian, we just want to back off. We want to blend in. We don't want to be who we are. When, when you claim to be what you're not portraying with your life, in other words, it can become confusing if on the one hand, others are thinking that you're a Christian, you're saying, no, I'm not. But also on the other side of that, when you're saying, I'm a Christian, but the things you're doing and the things you're saying doesn't show that, that comes pretty confusing. I mean, whether the person you're talking to is a Christian or whether they're a lost person, when, when, when they see one thing being claimed, but they don't see that in reality, well, you might say you're that. You know, I could, I could get up here this morning and I could tell you that I'm anybody in the world. <laughs> but if I told you that uh, I'm President Barack Obama, <laughs> would you believe that? <laughs> Would you? Would anybody believe that? Why? Because I don't look like him, that's for sure. <laughs> because our identities are totally, totally different for all kinds of reasons. You see, people are often saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, but yet they're still allowing all the sin of the world to take them, even though even lost people know that, well, if you're a Christian, you know, there's certain things that you won't not to want to do, if you really love God, not because that you might get a smack on the hand, but because you love him so much. You, when you love somebody, you want to make them happy. 
You don't want to hurt them. But the truth is, is that identities can become confusing sometimes, just like Peter's did when, on the one hand, you deny who you are. Or on the other hand, when you claim to be something that you're not really living. I want to give you a couple of examples if you'd look with me in the book of Revelation because this this is the last message in the Bible to us. And of course, in Revelation, we find that in chapters 2 and chapters 3 that the Bible is looking down through history at the different types of churches that will exist. Notice what he says in Revelation chapter 2. We don't have time to read it all, but notice what he says in verse Four and five, as he is writing here to the church at Ephesus. He says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. There's a problem in this church because you've left your first love. Let me tell you something. When you leave your first love, your identity is going to become confusing. The, con- the confusion had set into this church to who, who they really were. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. Remember where you were. Remember what you were. And repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove the, thy candlestick out of the place, except thou repent." You've messed up here. This is who you were. This is where you're going. And everybody knew that. Now you've left that and you're over here. Well, you need to repent. You need to turn around and you need to go back to where you were with Jesus Christ. You need to repent. We find that if we look down a few verses further, look down in, in verse 14. Here he's writing to the church at Pergamos. And he says in verse 14, he says, But I have a few things against thee because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto the idols, and to commit fornication. Okay, here, church, here's what you're claiming to be, the church of Jesus Christ. But now, suddenly, there in your church, there are those that are teaching all of these false doctrines and things that go contrary to the Word of God. There are those that are living, that are, that are mixed up in fornication, that are living lifestyles that are totally against God's Word. Your identity has become confusing. Who you are and what you are. What does he say, verse 15? So... Hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate, verse 16, repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. You need to take care of this, or I will have to myself. Church, your identity has become confusing. I mean, this church over here, they've, they've left their first love. They don't really, they need to get back to the place where Jesus Christ truly is that which they love more than anything else. Church, you've allowed these false doctrines and teachings and things to come in. You're allowing yourself to get mixed up in sin and stuff, which is not the identity that the church ought to be having. Repent, he says. Notice down in chapter 3. We could look at all of these churches, but notice what he says in chapter 3, verse 15. The church at Laodicea, which we know is the church age that we live in now. And he says in verse 15, he says, I know thy works, thou art neither cold nor hot. 
I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Your identity is mixed up. You're not cold. <laughs> You're not hot. You're just all mixed up and lukewarm together, and that just, that just really, that lukewarmness just makes me sick. I just need to spew it out of my mouth. There's, notice, because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. They're all, all built up in all of their natural physical prosperity. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You're basing your identity on what you have in this world, all your possessions and all your things, and don't even realize that spiritually you have nothing. Spiritually, you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. In other words, look, come back to me. You're, you're totally destitute spiritually, but I've got everything that you need to make you who you need to be. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and what? Repent. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You see, identities can become confusing. Peter's identity became very confusing. These churches' identity became very, very confusing. What is the message? Well, John put it this way in 1 John 1, 9. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, in every one of these messages here, Jesus says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit, capital S, what the Holy Spirit saith. Wake up. Listen to what God is saying to you. You know, your identity is all confusing. And this can happen with lost people or saved people, for those that are believers and those that are non-believers. In this last church, they were also mixed up. Jesus said, be hot or cold. <laughs> Don't be a, just a, a mixed-up mess of everything meshed together. Now, God doesn't want anybody to be without Christ. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Maybe. You can believe what you want because, you see, here's the thing. We've all been there. We've all been in that place where we were spiritually destitute. We may have been that point where we were looking and saying, well, who am I? Where did I come from? What am I doing? Where am I going? What is my life all about? 
We have identity crises at different times in our lives, and many times they do come at great transitional periods in our lives. I want to say to you that identities, who you are, is vitally, vitally important. That's one of the thoughts that I want us to look at, but we don't have time to go there this morning. I want to leave you with this thought this morning as we come to the end of this. You see, would you answer honestly for me this morning? Just be honest. Who are you? You know, I, I took that physical selfie of myself, and I, I, I couldn't deny. <laughs> it was just too much of a likeness. Everybody knew that that was me. Today, I want you to take a spiritual selfie, not based on what anybody else says, but there's only one way to see spiritually, and that's through God's eyes. Take a spiritual selfie. Who am I? Who am I? And, and you have some choices. Now, we've seen already that identities are certain. You are somebody. <laughs> and there are things that identify you for who you are. You're not anybody else in this world. You are unique. But I've got news for you. Identities are chosen. Some of yours were chosen by your parents. Some have probably been chosen by yourself. Some have been chosen by the things that you've done to become what you are. But God chose you before the foundation of the world. And he chose you to be holy and blameless before him. He chose you not to have to pay the consequences of your sin. He wants you to have life eternal. If this, if this world, if this is what we have, then it, it's a pretty miserable place. We have absolutely no hope whatsoever. It's come and gone. And believe me, when you get my age, you realize just how fast it comes and goes. But life is far, far more than that. Identities are certain. Identities are chosen. You see, God chose you, but how have you responded to that? Jesus chose Peter, but then Peter, in turn, had to choose to follow the Lord. He had a choice. I can stay who I am. I can stay being a fisher of fishes if I want to. Or I can follow this man, this one called Jesus. And rather than fishing for the fishes, the material things of this life, fish for men, for the souls of men. I... I say this to you again, not to boast. I, I know how simple a man that I am, but I believe this with all of my heart, with all of the training that it took to try to put some kind of remote thing called intelligence into this brain of mine, all that I could possibly have accomplished out there in this world, I do not believe that there is a position that I could have risen to that there is a title that I could have held that has more honor to it than simply being a Christian, a child of God. I do not believe with anything within me. I do not believe that if I had pursued my career in electronic engineering or business management, either one, I do not believe 
that whatever that accomplished in the end could even compare that if God uses my life to reach one person with the truth of the gospel and that person has eternity to live, I believe with everything within me that my life has accomplished more. You see, it's not our identity and what we do. We've said time and time again, our identity as a Christian is not about us. It's about the one that lives within us. If Jesus Christ, if the God, the creator of the universe, if he will live in you, and if he will use your life and spend your life, regardless of what this world thinks about you, regardless of who they think you are or what you are, if you live your life, with the identity of who God wants you to be, of Jesus Christ working through you to accomplish what he wants to accomplish with your life. How much more, what more could you ever want in life? Does it really matter where this world puts you on their pedestal? Or does it matter where God puts you? Does it really matter most who the world thinks you are or who God knows you are? You will be identified to this world, but we said in the beginning of this, and I thought I'd finish up the next point, but I, I don't believe that we've got time to go there and do it justice, but I, I want you to, to realize that you have a choice to make if you're here today. It is by God's grace you have breath to breathe, you have life, you're here, and you have the privilege of hearing that God, the creator of the universe, has chosen that he wants you to be his adopted child. He wants you to be part of his family. He wants to give you life everlasting because, you see, it's not you. It's the sin that you're born with. Sin must be paid for. If God ever allowed one person even though he loves everybody equally, if he allowed one person into heaven with the smallest sin that has ever been committed, then he would destroy everything and everybody in the process because when sin comes in, that's when death comes. We find that the only way, the only way to have life eternal is for sin to be wiped out. That's what Jesus came to do. That's what he came to do for you, to give you a life. Your identity is concise. It defines who you are as an individual. Your identity is chosen. And your spiritual identity, God, is chosen. He's chosen you. But will you choose to follow? Identities can be changed. Yours can be changed right now, right here today from being a sinner to being a saint, from going against God to following him. Nobody, nobody else can make that choice for you. Only you can make that voice. But if you make that choice, your identity will be changed forever. You will no longer be the person that you were born. You will be a new creation. We find that your identity can be confusing. Maybe you're here today and maybe it's the very first time that you need to make give serious thought to saying, no, this is who I am. Maybe you're here as a Christian. 
Maybe you've denied who you are, or maybe you've claimed to be something but didn't live the life for it. Let me tell you, the message is the same to all of us. Every one of us here today, repent. Jesus' first words were, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. (laughs) It's here. Do you know that what his last words were to us when he left to go back to heaven? Behold. I come quickly. I come quickly. You see, every one of the churches, the message was the same. Repent. 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 Today it begins with repentance and it ends with repentance. It begins with following Jesus. It ends with following Jesus. So today, are you facing an identity crisis? Do you know who you are? And when you take an honest look at who you are, is it what you want to see? Is it what God wants to see? Father, we thank you today. Lord, there's so much it seems like that I honestly, sometimes I I just don't even know where or how to stop because, Lord, everybody's destiny or eternity depends upon it. Lord, there today is a, a lot of people that are having an identity crisis They don't know who they are. They don't want to be who they are. They know they shouldn't be who they are. Lord, today we know that the identity that really matters is being identified in Jesus Christ, in Christ alone, in him alone. Lord, without him, there is no hope. There is no other way. And today, you know the hearts of everybody that is here. You know if there are those here today that for whatever reason, whatever they've heard or not heard, whether they've believed or not believed, Lord, today I thank you that we can know that they've heard from your word, hopefully by the power of your spirit in their hearts, that though we're all sinners, we're all in the same boat. We are born with those sinful natures. Lord, we've all sinned, but we know that though the consequences of that is death, that your gift is eternal life through Jesus. Why? Because he died that death for us today. Lord, he's saying to each and every one of us, regardless of where we are or where we've come from, his message is, come follow me. Come follow me. For the Christian, they need to take up their cross and follow him. For the non-Christian, for the unbeliever, for the one that's never experienced that transformation in their lives, just as Peter and Andrew did, they need to, Lord, just pick up and follow Jesus. Forgetting everything else, first of all and foremost, to follow him. So, Father, if there were words that I could say, if there were a way that I could say it, if there was something that I could do today to impress upon the hearers of this message the importance of their identity in Jesus Christ, the essentialness of this day, that who they are depends upon Jesus, that they have a choice to make. They will make a choice this day. They will. There is absolutely every one of us must choose. And Father, I pray that you would help us today, that we could all leave here knowing precisely who we are, knowing what our identity is, that that identity is in Jesus Christ. And Lord, that through everything else, whatever we do, whatever we don't do, that Christ could be seen in all we do. We give you praise for that.
Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.